It's great to be here with you this morning, whether you're here in the worship center um, online or, or over in the chapel. Um, we are in this series we're calling New Beginnings. And, and with Christ, there's a new beginning every day. Um, there's a new opportunity to walk with the Lord and to experience the fullness of life that he has for us. And so we've been looking at this topic of new beginnings, looking at really what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to be Christian? And this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that God has made us to exist within community, community with him and community with one another. We've been created for community. In fact, in the beginning of scripture, we find in Genesis 2, 18, these words, then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him, a partner. So God creates and he creates man. He looks at man and he says, look, it's not good for him to be alone. He needs a partner. He's, he's made like us. He's made to be in community. And so he makes a woman. And, and of course, it only takes that first generation to sort of mess community up. Uh, right after that, it's the first generation where sin enters into the world. And, and, and because of that, there, there's strife within community. And yet Christ came to do two things, really, when it comes to community. Number one, he came so that we would have community once again with God, but he also came that we can have community with one another. And it's so important that we look at that because we live as Americans, I think, especially in a very individualistic culture. You know, we think of the lone hero. You know, many movies are about a lone hero, and yet the reality of it is, is that we've been made to, made to flourish within community, community with God and community with each other. In fact, let me throw out a, a Christian understanding of the word community. Christian community is a fellowship of believers bound together by love, faith, and a shared commitment to living out the teachings of Christ daily. That that's, what, that's what Christian community is. It's a, it's a group of people gathering together who have this shared love, this shared faith, this shared commitment to the teachings of Christ, and they're interconnected with one another. And I was thinking about this way. The image came to my mind of a web. And, you know, a web is, is this interconnection of these individual strands, and, and all the strands have a part within the web, but if they're, if they're not working together, they don't have really any power at all. But it's the tapestry of the web, these, these inter, inter, interlocking parts that are working together that really makes it something of substance, something that's useful. And, and that's really the picture that we have of, of Christ's church. We're to be interconnected with one another. That all of us may be individual strands, but we're being created to be in communion with God and with each other. One of the profound imageries that we see in scripture of community is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have time, I'm not gonna read the entire chapter, but the image there is of a body. Paul's saying that the community of believers are like a human body. And he pulls out some, some interesting characteristics of the body that also relate to us living in community. For instance, there's unity and diversity. I mean, when you think about your body, it's made up of so many different parts, isn't it? Come on, how many of you remember anatomy? Help me out here. Yeah, there's so many different parts. And, and yet for the body to be considered healthy, right, they, 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 they're to work together. There's a diversity within the family of God. I mean, just look around the room. You know, we're different. We have different history. We have different personalities. We have different passions. We, 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 we have different pedigrees. 
And yet in the midst of that, that diversity is this unity that together we're called to work, to serve Christ, to, to share his love with the world around us. And there's an interdependence. We have different systems in our body. And one system doesn't do what the other system does, but if all the systems aren't working, how many of us realize the body doesn't work really well? It takes everyone doing their part in this interdependence that it doesn't really help me if, if, if my nervous system shuts down, but I can go, but that's okay because my heart's working. Everything has to work together. And that's the picture that, Christ, uh, that Paul gives us of the body. There's this mutual care and support. I mean, think about that. that. No matter what part of the body you have, you want it to be healthy. You want it to be vibrant. That every part affects another part. Anyone ever stub their toe? Right away, your whole body goes, ouch. Such a little thing. And yet makes such a big difference. There's this mutual care that Paul describes and that the scripture describes in community. I care for you. I value you. I believe God has a plan for you. I often will end a letter by saying, believing in you or believing with you. And several years ago, someone said, how can you believe in me? How can you believe in me when you don't really know me? And I said, well, here's the reason, because God believes in you. And if he believes in you, then who am I not to? Come on, church. How different would the world look? I mean, forget about the fact that of our local church family, but how different would the world look if believers walked around saying, I've got to believe in you because God does. He has a plan for you. You may not be living according to it right now, but I believe you can. I believe there's this possibility of what can happen when, when you're in community with God and when you're in community with other believers. There's God's design and placement. I hear people say, well, I don't have a lot of gifts. I don't, I don't have a lot to offer. But I'm here to tell you, you have everything God has given you and it's for a purpose. Like you're not here by happenstance. And the tapestry of our church changes when every new person comes in. I hear people say, I've been about Crosswinds for years. It's a different church. Yeah, it should be. Because when new people come in, the tapestry changes a little bit. They bring something new. They bring something fresh. And we should be open to that. We should embrace that. We should be helping each other to realize how, how are we to blossom in Christ? You have a purpose. You have something to share. There's equality of importance. Again, you say, well, I, I don't have what so-and-so has. Maybe they have upfront gifts. It doesn't matter. You are important. You say, how do you know, Craig? Because Jesus died for you. How do you know the value of something? By what someone's willing to pay for it. Have you ever seen a piece of art that's going for like a million dollars and you go, I wouldn't pay a buck for that? What makes that thing a million dollars worth? Because someone did pay a million dollars for it. Isn't that the truth? And what makes us valuable is what God paid for us. Like Jesus came to die for us. Can you think of a higher price? You can't, can you? That's how valuable you are. And so we should value one another like that. We should understand our importance and the importance of the other person. And when God's church, when we as his community understand these things, something really remarkable happens. 
In fact, in Acts chapter 2, we get a beautiful picture of this community working together. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let's look at it together. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in the homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, here's a description of this close-knit group, this group doing life together. Do you notice that, 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 that where are they in community? They're in community everywhere, Right? Like they're in community in the temple. They're in community when they're in their homes. They're caring for one another. They're doing life together. They're doing life together all the time. It doesn't matter where they are. If there's another brother or sister in Christ, they're together. They're united. They're, they're, they're focused on what God has for them. And they're worshiping together. And then the beautiful statement, it's like, it's not an afterthought, but it's after all this description of the body of Christ. And it says, and every day... Someone was coming to Christ. Isn't that amazing? I, I truly believe that what was happening was that the community was seeing this Christian community and saying there's something different about them. I want to know what that's about. I want to be around them. I want to be a part of that. And the church was calling people in. They were saying, look, there's a place for you. You have value. We want to support you. See, here it is, here it is. A gathering of Christians on Sunday morning in a service is not necessarily synonymous with Christian community. That it's not just about proximity, it's about love. And just because we gather together doesn't mean we're having community. Proximity is a part of it, but the big part of it is do we care for each other? Do we love each other? Are we, are we living for Christ together? where we find ourselves. Henry Nowen, no one said it this way. He said, community is first of all a quality of the heart. I love that. It's not first of all about where we are, the proximity. First of all, is where's our heart? Where's our heart toward people? Jesus calls us to community. Consider John 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, it's interesting. He calls us a new commandment, but we realize it's not a new commandment because from the beginning of God's people, there was the command to love one another. So why is he called a new commandment? Well, because there's a new example. Jesus is saying, before I told you to love each other and I instructed you on what that looked like, but now you've seen it. If you want to know how we're to love each other, all we need to do is look to Jesus. To look to how Jesus loved people. And it's a new commandment because we have this new example in Christ walking among us and, and we have the gospels showing us what Jesus did and saying, just do those things. And he says something so profound he says, if you will love each other this way, people will know you're my disciple. Think about that. 
What's a key sign of whether we're a follower of Christ or not? As of whether or not we're in genuine community with each other. Are we really loving each other the way that Jesus did? Are we showing the love to the world that Jesus did? See, here it is. Jesus calls us a genuine Christian community that reflects to one another the kind of love that he's shown to us. Which, which is a love that's beyond anything, but even can be even truly spoken. And when you think of the fact that last week we looked at Jesus hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Even in his death, he's loving. Even in the greatest act of sacrifice, he does it because of love, he's doing it in love. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful statement. It's not just by Christ. It's not just in Christ's power. It's actually through him. What's that mean? That when we're in in this community with Jesus and he's filling us with his love, through Christ we love others. And so where does it start? Community with Jesus, right church? And receiving his love. And then we become conduits of that love. And through Christ we love others. So how are we to embrace Christian community. How are we to embrace it? Well, I want to throw out some key words to you to help us wrap our mind around what it means to embrace Christian community. The first is encourage. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encourage. Encourage. I want people, when they see me coming toward them, thinking this is going to be a positive experience, not I wonder if I can duck him. Come on, church. I want people leaving conversations with me, feeling better about themselves, not leaving a conversation with me saying, wow, he feels really good about himself. I want to encourage people. I want people to know that God believes in them. I don't just want to write, believe in you, believe with you at the end of a letter. I want them to know I truly mean that. I want to encourage. I want to be there for them. In other words, support. Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So many times, I think, again, in our individualistic society, we just sort of think, you know, I'm going to have to go through this alone. I need to bear this alone. And, and maybe as Christians, we'll say to each other, well, you're not alone. God is with you. But then we walk away. You know, and, and Jesus is like, no, no, no. I am with them, but I want to be with them through you too. Like come alongside them, support them, help lift them up, be there for each other. And by the way, I'm not perfect at this. Like, I'm growing too. Anyone growing in this? Like, I'm growing. But I desire to be more and more this. United, Acts 4.32. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. One of my favorite descriptions of the church. One heart and soul. Let me ask you this. What a witness would that be to the world around us if we were one heart and soul? And I don't just mean crosswinds. I mean all of us local churches. I mean churches throughout the world, one heart and soul. We desire God's best for you. We 
we want to we we show you that we care for each other. And so we're going to be here for each other. We're going to be united in his purpose, united in love, united in faith, united in the teachings of Christ. Devoted. There's a word, devoted. Romans 12, 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This one's pretty interesting. I like it because it talks about competition. Anyone out there competitive? I am. If you've been around here for a while, you know that I've told you I'm competitive. In fact, I've told you that, that when my kids were little, my wife would say, just let them win sometimes. And I thought, there's no way possible I'm going to let them win. I'm, I'm going to beat them every chance I get. That's, that's a life lesson for them. And someday they're going to be able to beat me, and then they can go, ah, and I go, yeah, good job, good job. I'm going to get you next time. Good job. <laughs> Matter of fact, one time I bought a, a game called Bibleopoly. Did anyone ever play Bibleopoly? What a waste of a game. No one actually wins. Like somebody in their Christian thought, thought, I'm going to create a game where everyone wins at the end and they can feel good about themselves. Let me tell you what, when no one wins, no one feels good about themselves. <laughs> I, I just stopped playing. I started using the cards to, to, to quiz my kids about the scriptures, but I didn't use the game ever again. I thought, I played it once. I went, this, this is never going to happen again. I want to win. But did you catch how the sort of the upside down competition that verse spoke of? Outserve each other. Now, there's a competition we don't often do. How can I outserve you? How can I give you greater honor? Like, you're first, and like, this would be the competition. No, no, you're first, man. No, you're first. No, you're first. No, you're first. I'm going to show you because I'm going to outserve you. No, I'm going to outserve you, man. Can you imagine? I've been a pastor for 30 some years. I would love a couple to come in to my office one time. And, and me sit down with them, pray with them and say, what, what's going on? How can I help you? And them say, you know what she tells me? She tells me I'm first. And I go, okay. And he goes, but she's first. No, you're first. No, you're first. She goes, you know what? Every time I try to serve her, you know what she does? She tries to outserve me and then I try to outserve her. This is getting crazy. Do you know what I would tell them? Just continue to do that. No problem. Just continue to do that. Can you imagine a fellowship where that really was the goal? Like we don't just talk about it, but we really try to do it. You're first. No, you're first. No, God's first. Therefore, you're first. No, you're first. I'm going to outserve you. What a picture to the world around us. What a picture to the world around us. How many of you, just think about it for a minute, think it would transform your marriage? How many of you think it would transform your home? Would your workplace be the same? I mean, Jesus, God, came as a servant. Doesn't that blow your mind? Like the God who spoke to world existence said, you know what, I'm just going to serve. I'm going to seek and save the lost. I'm going to wash my disciples' feet. Unheard of. I'm going to die for their sins. The one whom we worship says, that's the value I place on you. That's the example I set for you. And then lastly, you knew it was one of the words, love. 1 Peter 4, 8. 
Above all, keep on loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Wow. It really ties in what we looked at last week with forgiveness. Father, forgive me my debts as I forgive those who, who have sinned against me. And it doesn't mean we overlook sin. Matter of fact, part of doing community together is helping each other overcome sin. Amen, church? I mean, to do something contrary to God's word and expect to be blessed is, is foolishness. And so we do want to speak the truth to each other. We do want to speak the truth to our culture. But you know what? When you're loving people, you're not easily offended. Like you're looking for the best in each other. And that love covers a multitude of sins. Not, not that we just look over them, not that we don't not deal with them, but, but, it, but it overlooks them in the sense of, well, I love you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect the best out of you, not the worst. And, and I just want to throw this in there, too, because we're talking about community within the church, but the way we react to the community outside these walls is equally as important in the sense that, you know, I'm going to speak the truth to my culture, but I'm going to do it lovingly. I'm going to still love them. As a matter of fact, let me just be honest with you. When I look at the world, most of the world is living contrary to what Jesus taught. Come on now. I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to love them anyway. Am I going to speak the truth? You better believe I am. But I'm going to love them anyway. And if I'm saying that about people outside the walls, it should start in the family of God, shouldn't it? Like, even if we're confronting sin in another, we should do it because we just love them so much we know God has more for them. Isn't that a different attitude than being judgmental? I just know God has more for you. I was thinking about the times in my life where the family of God has come around me and encouraged me and offered support and unity and devotion and love. And it was really exemplified a week ago Saturday. My son, Will, who's my youngest, Christy, even though he's in his 20s, would call him her baby. He had his first meeting. He's, he's an Indiana Wesleyan, so he needs to be a pastor. He had his first meeting, what's known as the DBMD, the District Board of Ministerial Development. Doesn't that sound fun? But it's a great group. It's a group of pastors and lay people within our district who their whole purpose, think about this, is to help people who are studying to become pastors to grow in Christ and to have the gifts that they need to, to flourish in the position of being a pastor in a local church. So he had his first meeting with his DBMD. He does it by Zoom. And, and one of the pastors who's on the call says to him, says to him, says, I've been praying for you since before you were born. So Will calls me. He texts me. He says, he says, hey, Dad, he says, uh, there's a pastor in New York who's been praying for me since before I was born. And I said, yeah, it's called your dad. <laughs> and he said, no, funny dad joke. <laughs> he said, no, you know, th there's another pastor there. And what I found out when I started to hear the story was before Will was born, there was a church in Wisconsin who was trying to get me to consider being their lead pastor. But Will, we knew, was going to be born with a bilateral cliff, lip, and power, and we weren't sure what else was going on. And so I didn't feel I could make a commitment to that church. And I remember on several conversations, I said to them, I think you should be looking for somebody else because I can't commit to, to even considering this right now. Will has, is my priority. This baby coming is my priority. And I remember them saying, are you telling us no? 
And I said, no. And they said, well, until you tell us no and God tells us to go, we're going to be focused on you. I actually even called their district superintendent and said, I think they're making the wrong choice. And he said, I can't convince them otherwise. They feel that God has a purpose in this. The first flowers that arrived when Will was born was from that church in Wisconsin. We were in Florida. Long story short, I became the pastor there. But one of the pastors who was on staff at that church before I became the lead pastor had left that church to become a lead pastor in this district. And he had heard about Will. And so before Will was born, he began to pray for him. Never met Will. And he prayed for years. And any time God would bring to his mind this young kid who he was praying over, who's become a young man, he would pray, God, would you work in this child's life? I don't even know if he knew the name, but I think he did. But he prayed over Will. And all of a sudden, he's in, just think about how God works. He's in this DBMD meeting by Zoom. And there's my son sitting there. And a pastor says, hey, I just have to tell you. Since before you were born, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you physically and spiritually. I pray that, that you would come to know Christ. And now here's Will, a Christian, studying to be a pastor in this DBMD thing with this other pastor who's been praying for him for over two decades as a part of. Do you think Will was encouraged? Do you think I'm encouraged? Yay, God. But you know what? Yay, God's church. Wow. Crazy things happen when we're the community God calls us to be. Amazing things happen when we follow Christ's example. And here's Will, who's a Christian, now being a pastor. And by the way, that's the way to do it. Be a Christian, then a pastor. <laughs> God help us. And here's this guy who's able to go, thank you, Jesus. You answered my prayers. That's the power of God when we live in community. Psalm 133, 1. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell in unity. <laughs> what a great statement. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell in unity. United in Christ, united in love, united in faith, united to live according to his word. I told you last week I've been like digging these agricultural things, and, which is really weird because I'm not an agricultural person. I, I told you I, I, killed a, I killed a cactus once. I mean, I'm just not really good at it. But maybe that's why I'm so fascinated. But as I go through scripture, do you notice so many, because it's agricultural culture, so many of the illustrations are from plants and so, th so forth. And I was thinking about this whole idea of the tapestry of God's church. And my mind went for whatever reason to a time when I was in South Carolina and we happened to be at this, this beautiful, beautiful garden. I mean, like it was the type of garden you'd see on TV, like at castles and so forth. I mean, it was just this beautiful, huge garden. And the sun was beginning to set. And I remember looking at all these diverse flowers that were in this garden. But when the sun set, it was just this one beautiful tapestry. Like, this is beautiful tapestry. It was amazing. Like, if it had just been one flower, it wouldn't have been so brilliant. But because they were all together and all their diversity and colors and so forth, it was beautiful. And I think that's what the scripture tells us to be. To come together in all of our diversity and everything that God has gifted us in and be a beautiful tapestry for the world to see. 
So if people will say, I want to be a part of that. And we can say, you can. There's room for you. There's a place for you. You matter. You matter. And no matter where you find yourself with Christ this morning, again, whether in this worship center or in the chapel or online, God has a place for you. If you haven't said yes to Jesus, it begins there, doesn't it? It begins by being in community with God through Jesus Christ. But then the beautiful thing is we get to do community together. So wherever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself, acknowledge I've been made for community. God has empowered me to be a part of community. And community, community is the beautiful tapestry that God uses to bring others to him. Man, let's be a part of that church. Let's be a part of that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. First and foremost, that we're able to be in community with you. That Jesus saw our predicament, realized that it was sin that was separating us from you and it was a price that we owed that we could never pay and a price that he certainly did not owe but was willing to pay on our behalf. And so he came. He died for our sins, was resurrected for our salvation. And even at this moment, anyone who's yet to, to say yes to Jesus can say yes, even where they're seated, even right at this moment and enter into community with you. We've been created to do life with you, Father God. So I pray that no one would leave the sound of my voice without saying yes to Jesus. Father God, we've been created to be in community with you, but we've been created to be in community with other believers as well. And Lord, would you teach us how to do that? We admit it gets messy sometimes, not because of you, but because of us. But you do something sacred in the midst of that mess when we just surrender ourselves to you. And help us live in such love to one another that the love just burst out from us to the communities around us. We want people to see the beautiful tapestry that you're making here at Crosswinds and desire you to know that we love you so that they too can experience the new beginnings that you offer to all who come to you. Lord, thank you for meeting in this time of gathering as we scatter in just a minute. May we scatter, taking this love, this truth, the message of your power to heal, to make whole to the world around us. May they hear it. May they see it. May they be drawn to experience it in you. In Christ's name, amen.